Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the program, everybody. You're listening to the South Bay Show, South Bay Spotlight, on Thursday, July 30th, 2020. I'm your host, Jackie Balestra. Thank you for tuning in. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and there is no better place to do just that. This segment of the South Bay Show is brought to you by Your Actualized Visions. A local advertising agency, Your Actualized Visions offers all your advertising needs under one roof. From logo design, business cards, banners, and signage, to online services such as website design, SEO management, promotional videos, reputation management, and loyalty promotions, you name it and Your Actualized Visions will handle it for you on time and under budget. Built on the needs of their clients, Your Actualized Visions is competitively priced and economical, saving you money and greatly enhancing your bottom line. At Your Actualized Visions, customer service is all local with one point of contact. No more dealing with robo-answering machines, getting the runaround, or speaking to someone in another country. Your Actualized Visions understands your hyper-local advertising needs and focuses on bringing you real clients. They do not buy likes, followers, or fake results. Your campaigns are real, built with real community followers who want to purchase your services and products. The only thing standing in the way of your company's success is you now picking up the phone right now and calling your actualized visions at 310-413-8773. To learn more about what your actualized visions can do for you and your company, visit the website at youractualizedvisions.com. Your Actualized Visions, your dreams today, not someday. You can learn more about the show and listen to prior episodes on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the South Bay Show or on my website, southbaybyjackie.com. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose. That's what we talk about here on the South Bay Show. And joining me this morning is our co-host and producer, Deanne Chase, founder of Chase Law Group, for all your business law needs, visit the website at southbaybusinesslawyers.com. Good morning, Dan. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Jackie. I'm doing great. Glad to be here. <laughs> another beautiful well, day in the South I, Bay. Another beautiful day. You know, it's funny that you say that because uh, I woke up and it was a, you know what I'm having right now? I'm having a hot cocoa because it was a hot cocoa oh. kind of morning. It's a little foggy out there, at least at my house. It's a little foggy. It's very foggy. It's like pea soup. I can I can barely see a block away. So uh, I treated yeah. myself to a hot cocoa with marshmallows and whipped cream. How wow, that? that sounds very cozy. <laughs> very cozy. <laughs> I, I don't know. I like yeah. I like the fog by the beach. It just it just kind of it's a it's a part of beach living that a lot of people don't think about when they think about living by the beach. So every time I see the fog, I always go, Oh, I love living by the beach. I don't know. <laughs> It's my thing. I no, guess. I, I enjoy I enjoy the fog too. I I do I do as well. Um, I just um, like yesterday, uh, 
where I am, the sun never came out. It was just we had uh, June gloom all day long. Uh, but I, I do mm-hmm. like for the sun to pop out at some point during the day. But, yeah, I got up. I looked out the window. I figured it was a kind of morning. Now, I got to ask you, did you uh, did the earthquake wake you up this morning? Oh, I didn't realize we had an earthquake this morning. No, I'll say no. <laughs> yeah, we had a 4.2 in the valley. And then there were a couple of three-something aftershocks. So, um, wow, did you feel I, it? I, it? It didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't feel it. No, it didn't wake me up. I didn't feel it. My husband uh, told me when he checked out his news this morning, he said, oh, we had an earthquake this morning. That and uh, the fact that the GDP dropped by one third in one quarter, it is now officially worse than the Depression. Uh, the Depression, wow. I, I think, took a lot longer than that. Um, and w- what's really scary is that without the stimulus packages, the GDP would have dropped by 75 percent, which is all part and parcel kind of of what we're going to discuss this morning with our guests. Uh, yeah. A lot going mm-hmm. on. This this pandemic is affecting every aspect of our lives, the economy and our topic today. So uh, we have a lot to talk about. So let's get to it. Who are our guests this morning, Deanne? Well, this morning we have a couple of returning guests, uh, two of my favorite people in the South Bay. We have uh, Dave Salzman and Carol Glover. Uh, they're South Bay Real Estate Investment Advisors. Uh, Carol is a real estate broker and real estate attorney, and Dave is the managing broker of Angle Volkers South Bay, L.A., and an avid real estate investor. Together, they operate a development firm focusing on value-add investments in single families, offices, and multifamily. And their residential focus is in, in the beach cities. Their investment and renovation business casts a wider net. So, Carol was raised in Manhattan Beach and stayed local, earning her BA at the University of California, Irvine, and her JD at Loyola Law School. Uh, Carol has traveled the world but never ceases to marvel at living in this beautiful beach community. Dave is originally from Scottsdale, Arizona, focusing on real estate at an early age and graduating magna cum laude in business administration real estate finance from Arizona State. Uh, Dave came to L.A. working for IBM, found the Beach Cities, started his real estate career, and never looked back. So uh, this morning we're going to be talking real estate in the wake of COVID-19, and there's no one better to talk about South Bay real estate than than Dave and Carol. Well, thank you, Welcome, Dave. Welcome, Carol. Thanks, Thanks for joining us again. You guys have been on the show before. Here we have. Great to be back. Um, so you're, yeah. we're going to get into all the details with the two of you, um, as, as you are the local experts. And I, I just wanted to say, you know, what I've been reading and seeing, uh, real estate looks a little nutty right now. Um, I'm, I'm hearing about a lot of, there's a lot of talk about people moving out of cities. Um, I, I hear it from friends. I hear it on the news. Uh, locally, um, on uh, social media, I'm seeing uh, rooms for rent, uh, uh, you know, uh, grand, grandmother-in-law units, uh, rooms, uh, rental pro- people are looking for tenants, I guess, because a lot of people, a lot of kids move back home, you know, uh, kids in college, maybe just recently out in the workforce, uh, a lot of our friends their kids have been home since the beginning of this. 
uh, whether they came home from school or they were working in another city. Um, that's that's what I'm seeing. Uh, so so who wants to start, Dave or Carol, on on what I'm seeing locally? Well, it, it is, there does seem to be a trend to um, move from urban areas to suburban areas, and I, I thought that's one of the topics I wanted to talk about. Um, but I thought I'd talk about the underlying background impetus that's caused that uh, trend, if, if you would like. Oh yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That sounds great. So they in the in the housing market, both nationally and locally. Um, the, we put together a, uh, the industry has put together an index called the Housing Market Recovery Index, and this is very enlightening. Um, it shows what has happened over the course to housing uh, demand and supply over the course of this um, pandemic. Um, they, in, to create the index, they used four components as weights. One was housing demand as measured by the online uh, search activity growth. One's the growth in asking prices of homes. This is asking prices, not sale prices. One's the number of new listings that are reaching the market. And another one is the pace of sales, which is how many days a property stay on the market. If you use the last week of January as 100, by the first part of March, we were already up to 106.5. In other words, 6.5% more activity than we had the last week in January. By May, it had dropped to 83. So at that point, we were down 23 percent from the high in the first part of March. That was the result of the collapse of the housing uh, activity during the pandemic with people removing homes from the market since they did not want parties entering and also buyers just not buying, staying home too. So what we found out is that as we hit the bottom there in the first part of May, as an industry and as a buyer and seller population, we kind of figured out how to handle this so an interesting component is that the, that index has moved up to 90 now as of the um, end of June, and it's on the way back up towards its baseline of 100. So we went through this very large depression in market activity from the middle of March to the first part of May, and now we're on a nice, really solid recovery from that. An example of that is pending home sales, which were well above the baseline average in in February and into March and then declined precipitously into April. But interestingly enough, in the May and June, the number of homes that are under contract has gone back to the normal uh, normal numbers that we've seen historically. So wow. the background on this is we had wow, a giant collapse. Like yeah. And we had a, a we're news. having a giant giant recovery. Um I'm uh, Dave, I, I'm surprised. I would have I would have thought that that your percentage would have been a lot lower. I'm surprised that it was only what you say 23%. Yeah, on that activity index, right? It was went from 106 right. and a half to 83.1 from the uh, beginning of March to the uh, beginning of May. That's just 2 months. So that's quite a bit of a downturn um on what is historically a pretty stable volume. Um and, but the even more dramatic is the um, is the pending home sales, which means houses that are currently under contract went from what would measure about 115% of the normal average rate in the beginning of March to more like 50% of the normal rate in, in April and then back to 100 in May. So, so what do you, do you, what do you think that reflects? Do you think people are, uh, a lot of people are moving out? <laughs> Um, just a market recovery. I think that 
it, it's just a market recovery from a from a, 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 a significant um, blow that happened in an incredibly short period of time, and it was terribly intense. We all just lived through it. Um, but the underlying financial, some people fear there may be a recession coming or fear there may be a collapse in pricing of housing and so on, which I want to get to. Um, but the 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 fundamentals of the economy, unlike 2008 and prior downturns where we had an economically driven downturn, for example, the collapse of the financial system in 2008, in this case, the underlying economy has been extremely strong, and the reason for the decline in, the, in the employment and production has nothing to do with the economy and everything to do with a pandemic disease. So we don't see any underlying fundamentals that say the economy has a problem. The, the, the economy has a COVID problem, but it doesn't have an economic problem. And that's reflected in the, what we're seeing now. Once people got past the shock of the shutdown and the whole world changed dramatically and everything, anytime there's a lot of uncertainty, people don't make decisions and they don't leave their house and so on. Right. Right. But it can't stay that way forever. And soon people adapt to the new reality. The underlying economics are strong. Uh, the, the, um, most of the unemployment has hit, uh, in, um, lower wage jobs and those lower wage jobs have been, uh, supported with this federal unemployment insurance plus the state unemployment insurance. Some, People in those positions are making more money on unemployment than they were actually working. So, so far, that's really mitigated the impact uh, financially. Um, in, Plus, in, if, I, if I might, Dave, can I jump in? Go ahead. Uh, you know, uh-huh. and I, I think that, that there's strong economics, which is what Dave is talking about. But the other factor is a real human factor here in that people who have been renters, or people who have been in smaller homes, um, this shift has really caused people to think, I, I believe, more intensely about their housing, where they are. Do they have enough room? If I'm a renter, do I want to be a first-time home buyer? The, Dave will speak more to this, but really the strength um, of a, a lot of this is in the first-time home buyer market. Interest rates are incredibly low, and if you're living in an apartment uh, or you're living in a perhaps a condominium complex and you don't have the exterior space or you don't have the room to for both people to work at home, there's a, just been a, a kind of an emotional and, and practical shift towards looking towards um, home buying and and shifting the size and location of your your home and that's also driven plus some people are making the decision you know what maybe i'm close to retirement maybe now is the time to sell my place and and move out of state so there's a lot of i think economic strength but also some just basic emotional factors that that COVID has kind of coalesced yeah that's it's, true you know, we're it's, seeing good especially well, go people ahead, spending ahead, more time at home that makes a lot of sense actually very intuitive yeah. to think about yeah it's true to say we've been spending a lot more time at home and and a lot more time you know in close proximity to our loved ones <laughs> so that makes sense to you start to see the deficiency in in your living conditions and say you want to make a change right this is especially true in in really heavily urbanized environments um our daughter lives in New York City and uh, or in actually Brooklyn, but the um, emphasis in 
in New York, the New York area has been a dramatic increase in the listing of urban uh, properties, homes for sale, and a, and a tremendous demand for suburban uh, New Jersey, Connecticut, upstate New York, um, for, because the uh, one, the concentration and, and get a little more elbow room, and two, it's become, we, we've made the forced transition as a nation to a much more work from home environment, whether we like it or not. And in many cases, it's actually working out pretty well. So um, that's causing people to focus on their living environment much more than they used to. Uh, here locally, um, our entry level market is about a million five purchase price and down. And in that price range, we're seeing you know every property that comes on the market that's priced right is getting to eight, 10. We had one with 21 offers. Um, so and they're wow. selling instantaneously with multiple offers. So the market activity in the entry level market in our world is just stunningly high. Uh, and that and, and as wow. time goes on, that action is moving up the price scale. It hasn't hit the higher end market yet, but it but it's on the way. Um and that, that lower end entry level market is being driven by these phenomenally low interest rates that allow you to you know to afford to buy and uh, especially as compared to rent. Well, and here here in the yeah. South Bay, I mean, we we have had a pretty uh, strong real estate market in any event. I mean, it's you know we're, we've always been in a better position, I think, because of you know supply and demand, right? Here in the South Bay, are you finding a a lot of those lower and entry level properties here in the South Bay? No, in fact, that's part of the problem is that we're significantly undersupplied of available yeah. re, re, uh, real estate homes, especially in the um, what for our world is the entry level price range, um, which for other worlds is a pretty high price range. But um, so yeah, no, there's nowhere near enough supply, and there is way more demand um, than I think uh, perhaps I've ever seen. Um, so uh, we, you know, some people out there were uh, we, we talked to many buyers that, um, and, and some of whom say oh, I'm going to wait until the market collapses basically and prices go down. That's certainly not what we're seeing. And, and some people have predicted a new round of foreclosures like we had in 2008. That's also absolutely not what we're seeing. Um, and, and there's two reasons what, that we won't see foreclosure activity go up. In fact, it may even go down. And one of them is the legal forbearance rules that were put into place. You can you can legally ask your lender to forbear your mortgage payments for up to as much as 360 days a full year. So that's causing people to not be foreclosed out if they are in trouble. And the other reason that we're not going to see foreclosures is this time around, we have substantial market value equities. 77% of people who went into forbearance have more than 20% equity in their home. Some of them, um, 60%, have more than 30% of a third. Only 1% have a negative equity. In 2007, 8, 9, a giant share of the homeowners had negative equity because of the collapse in prices. We're seeing a rise in prices, not a collapse. So the whole idea that the weight for the market to collapse and buy at the bottom seems to be uh, not borne out by the facts on the ground this time around. That's, you know, that's so interesting, but everything that you and Carol just said, it makes sense. Um, it was the initial shock. It was like the shock wave, you know, the, 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 the stock market dumped, uh, you know, everybody stayed home. We, we weren't spending any money. Uh, and as you said, the real estate market came down. There wasn't a lot of activity. Um, but now we're into it. This is week 29 of the pandemic. Um, and now that the initial shock has worn off, that may, it makes sense. 
it makes sense. Uh, but it, what it what you're basically saying it comes down to is quality of life. If you if you are living in a in a in a, an apartment or a condo and you don't have any outdoor space or you don't have enough room for a couple of people to be working from home, uh, that that uh, makes absolute sense. I I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking. You know, prices are going to come down, and then people are going to start buying when prices come down. But you're saying just the opposite. Now that I listen to this, that makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Which is yeah. This, does. Now this is <laughs> this is interesting because uh, uh, it was last year. My husband and I were actually looking at purchasing one of those uh, Sprinter vans. Uh, it's 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 like a mini RV. Um, and they've got it's fully loaded. You know everything that a decent sized RV would have. These Sprinter vans have, and we started looking at them last year. And um, now you cannot buy one for your life. They, they, really? They are sold out. Oh, they're sold out. That you can't get your hands on one. And now I'm thinking, all right. Well, everybody ran out and bought those because they wanted to be able to be mobile, get out of the house and stuff. I mean, it's absolutely because of the pandemic. Um, yeah, but now I'm thinking. I'm th- I, as soon as we we saw this, I, I was like, okay, well, let's give it six months, and a bunch of people are going to be unloading them instead of buying a brand new one. Uh, we'll get a used one. Absolutely, people are doing and, road tripping, and you know, getting yeah, getting it, try, just getting out of their houses and trying to do it in the safest way possible. Yeah, yeah. without flying. Yeah. You know, the flying vacations are exactly. way, way, way back, right? Exactly. exactly. That's that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, Carol, what do we need to know now about buying a set, uh, buying and selling a property now? Well, I in terms of buying and selling now, are, can you hear me? Okay. Um, in terms of buying and selling a property now, there's just um, the buyers and, and sellers have to know that it's, it is a different world and there's a lot of new protocols that have to be um, uh, followed. And um, the uh, Realtor Association, in, in conjunction with following the, um, the uh, uh, health department, um, have really come up with a lot of protocols in terms of you know, masking. You have to have permission and you have to have a release for entering the property. You have to have demonstrated to a realtor, if you're a buyer, that you've looked at the property online that this is a community that would, is appealing to you, that you've looked at the walkthrough video of the, the home and the pictures, and this is something that you're really serious about and are interested in. Um, so, uh, and with, thankfully, thankfully with the technology, we are able to do this uh, so much easier than we would have a couple of years ago. The, the, um, the apps that are available that allow you to essentially view a home from the, from your, from your home are tremendous, but the protocol is a little more complicated um, than it used to be. And sellers need to know that also that, that they're and sellers want to know that they're protected, that the people that come in the house are wearing their booties and their gloves and their masks and they're not touching everything. And then it's up to the realtor um, that's showing the home upon anybody's departure that they thoroughly wipe it down, um, make sure they observe what was touched um, and that it's clean before those people leave and anybody else is allowed in. So that's the new, that's the new normal in terms of viewing um, and the homes. Um, and it's, you know, it's 
a little more paperwork um, and but you know what safety is critical and and um, it it allows the buyers and sellers to be comfortable it comes well, down to escrow that, departments that's, that's all yeah and you get you get rid of all those looky loos in the process you know you no longer have that's, just you know the neighbors coming through to see what's up for sale on the block right no, that's right. And you, you're our showing volume dropped dramatically, but the quality of the actual showings is significantly higher because it's there is such a um, new um, protocol barrier to making it easy. For example, there's no there's no open houses anymore. We don't even have brokers. Right. Everything is by appointment only, um, and limited to the realtor doing the showing, and no more than two adults. No more bringing the kids. No more bringing Uncle Joe. Anything like that. It's a uh, it's all designed to sort out the real real buyer for any one property from everybody else. Wow, yeah, no open houses, no broker open houses. So how is that working? Um, if if brokers, in addition to home buyers, have to make an appointment to come in and see the properties, huh? Yes. Yep. But I guess they're just relying in, more on the on the online viewings, right? It doesn't work as well from a, a know your inventory point of view, okay? Uh, because you know it's been a long, long, long tradition of uh, that, at least in, the, in Manhattan Hermosa, uh, every Friday and in, and in Redondo every Thursday at lunch, we would go tour the new properties on the market. Um, so as a result, if you were active, you would know. And I, oh, I saw I saw that one Thursday, right, type of thing, right? No more. <laughs> no so, more. Uh, big, <laughs> Maintaining the inventory or knowledge of the inventory has become more and more challenging. You have to do it um, by a conversation with other realtors. Um, there is a service that uh, goes in videos, the um, new new properties. Uh, everybody, all the agents now are using video um, uh, walkthroughs. So it's become uh, much more, uh, you know, on remote pilot than it was. You know, you know what we're calling this. You, you know what we're calling this. Deanne, do you remember the term we're using for the situation we find ourselves in? Do you remember? I don't remember. Your favorite term. It's oh, no. a forced digital transition. Forced digital mm-hmm. transition is what we're in. Right. And, and it's, uh, it's effective. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was just yes. thinking, too, about how I mean, we're seeing it in so many different areas, um, in, in real estate in particular here, about just this, this pandemic has has forced forced us to, you know, be innovative and, and use technology. I think it's advanced a lot of the use of technology in a lot of different ways that people would not otherwise have kind of d- delved into, you know. There's like the barriers yeah. to entry for a lot of people, but now people have no choice. Plus, I, I find it interesting that it wasn't, more than, it wasn't more than probably, I don't know, Six months ago, um, uh, I remember being invited by uh, a client to a, um, a a FaceTime or one of the other, you know, um, popular ones. Let's let's get on, let's get FaceTime this conference. And and I remember thinking, okay, but in the back of my mind, it was okay, really. I but now with with you know, uh, it's it's every day and and four or five times a day that you just don't think twice about jumping on and having a face to face meeting with somebody online, you know. And it's it's it really is a it's a huge shift, a huge shift. So and it's provided it, a lot of um, a- access that is just amazing that wasn't wasn't available before. So good things, good things. Yeah, 
Yeah, let's let's well, hope I, that I it can, can, you know, continues even even as the market opens up because in a lot of ways it, it's also created a lot more efficiencies with re, with you know with being able to 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 have instant access to face to face communication basically instead of you know checking calendars and you know getting in your car and you know driving to a coffee spot or whatever you know it it can be more efficient in a lot of ways but um, but I don't know about you guys but I'm I'm really kind of missing that personal contact. Yeah, yeah. I, I think every, everybody is. Yeah. 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 Think, think about your own situation and what that has done. You've undoubtedly set up something in your home where you can do video conferencing and Zoom calls and so on and so on. And basically, so has every other information or knowledge based worker in the United States. Uh, you multiply that times, I don't know, at least half the population. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a tremendous sea change in the way that we um, utilize our homes. Uh, and that sea change is causing even um, a new builder, new construction builders to, to begin to shift from the open floor plans that we've all loved to more closed floor plans to give people privacy, give you a private office with a closable door, uh, that sort of thing. I mean, it's, it's actually already changing the way uh, the floor plans of new construction homes to meet what is anticipated to be a different um, style of demand in the future than we had in the past. Wow, that's I never thought of I, I never I never thought, thought of that, that. <laughs> you know, It's so funny because I am an HGTV junkie, and 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 in this day and age, like the news, at some point you just have to turn it off. You cannot listen to it anymore. And I turn on HGTV, and you know I'll be working. I can listen to it, and I just run out to the reveal. You know, I run outside to, see the, to, to actually see the reveal. Um, and 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 it's so funny because. Uh, Home decor has changed so much over the years. You know, back in the 80s and 90s, 80s, it was tile countertops, Now and then it was granite for about a decade, and now they're getting into other stuff. And the whole open concept thing has just been everywhere. And to myself, I thought, I wonder if this will ever go out of style. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it probably will. Apparently sooner rather than later, huh? Wow. Yeah. And I think we're going to see the increase in not only the um, more, maybe the multiple home office uh, spaces, uh, but also the increase, again, in technology. I mean, we need um, a lot of people are thinking, you know what, I do a lot more video. I do podcasts now. And so I think our our home, instead of home theater or in addition to home theater, I think we're going to have much more intensified um, home office working uh, environments that can accommodate um, your Zoom room, your podcast, and, and doing those things. It also just – I want to briefly segue into the, the commercial market, which is where I spend most of my, my working days is in the commercial market. The interesting thing also is the shift in thought from the, um, the high-rise urban office space, and it's a couple of prongs. One, do I even need this much office space? And then the other oh, prong yeah. is – even even though I have been working at home, I kind of need my separate think space. I need to be away from the kids and the dogs and the noise and the temptation to go, you know, raid the refrigerator. And I need an office because people are, to Deanne's point, people are missing 
the contact. They're missing the collaboration. And even though we have technological uh, ability to yeah. put the camaraderie, the camaraderie, the, 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 the yearning factor on camaraderie um, is very high. I listened to a pod, uh, webinar the other day that talked about a poll that I, they had taken, and um, it was uh, overwhelming, like 60 to 70% of the business owners polled. Um, the reason they wanted to get back in the office was not just to be in an office, but they missed their people. So yeah. what we're also seeing is, hey, you know what? do I need as much space, but also a shift to maybe suburban offices really gained a tremendous interest um, in the marketplace, shifting from the large high-rise to suburban office, which is drive-up uh, office, and, and but you still have a place to collaborate. Go ahead, DM. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, well, you know, and I, I think that this topic personally in me is, is fascinating, but we're at the bottom of the hour, and I was wondering if before we – I'd like to delve more into the commercial aspect of things. Uh, but, Jackie, do we need to take a break? Yes, we do. Very good timing. Uh, I'm your host, Jackie Balestra, and you're listening to The South Face Show, a hyper-local podcast that airs every Thursday and Friday morning at 8 a.m. on Blog Talk Radio. The show features the many fabulous things to do, places to go, and people to know in our South Bay. From El Segundo to the Palos Verdes Peninsula, we covered it all. So be sure to tune in each week to keep up with what's going down in our beachside bubble. Now, this morning, we're speaking with Dave Salzman and Carol Glover, uh, the uh, South Bay Real Estate Investment Advisors, and it's all about real estate this morning. Um, so, uh, Carol, um, let's discuss commercial. Let's continue with with the commercial discussion. Uh, what what are we seeing there? Uh, what you were just, what you had just started on before the break? Yeah, I think yeah, I think we're talking about camaraderie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah the, the, the camaraderie and also and also the the drive time. People um, have realized they it's a couple prongs. They don't need the space as much space. Um, uh, they are even if they keep their same space, they need more space. So as an example, if you have an office that houses twenty people, um, and the the problem with social distancing in the office means that at any one point in time you can probably only have ten, and so. Do you go out as an owner and rent twice the space so you can house all 20 people in new uh, expanded office space? Some some people are making that decision. Do you rotate? Um, there's a, a lot of um, split shifting going on, uh, working in teams, um, and then also revamping the office so that that is a, a safer um, place to operate with, with the distancing. Um, so those those considerations for the commercial office um, uh, uh, tenant are are going on uh, daily. And then um, there's the issue of maybe I don't want to be in downtown Los Angeles or Century City anymore, speaking of our South Bay people. Um, maybe it's better that I uh, move and shift to um, a more suburban or local um uh, hyper-local office space that's drive up and my team of 10 can rotate through this smaller office space. Um, so there's a lot of renegotiations on leases right now. Uh, a lot of leases are not being renewed. Um, and while our home uh, and the residential market is accelerating, I, I think in the near future um, and currently we're seeing a lot of renegotiations and I just think there's going to be a big shift in the, in the urban office um, and of course, retail. Um, 
uh, retail is going through a big shift as well. I well, imagine you know, one so example of the. Sorry, I was, I was wondering about like what, how the. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> we're talking about. It's just I was interested no in how the and how our commercial tenants, our business owners, and these commercial leases are are doing in light of the economy and our landlords, you know, open, you said a lot of renegotiations are going on, but uh, our landlords open to these renegotiations and how are the, um, the rules that prevented evictions, you know, coming into play? Well, um, a couple of things um, on just evictions. Generally um, the uh, eviction moratorium was um, through the end of July, the governor extended it through September 30th. And it was an extension. The extension from the governor is an extension that says you local cities and counties are free to extend this mandate. It allows the local governments uh, to to make the extension if they want. So as an example, the LA County Supervisors just approved the eviction moratorium. It's now through September 30th. Now, so that applies to that applies to LA County unincorporated and um, and of course LA City. Now, what it doesn't apply to is those local governments um, who have their own uh, moratorium. So there are some that that have not shifted over and not extended. Um, And if you are, you really, it's back to square one in terms of when this first happened, we got calls uh, um, just daily. What, what applies to me? Where do I, am I in, in the, that uh, eviction moratorium or does it apply to me? Mm -hmm. And really it's a, you have to look at, the government, the state that says through September 30th, and really have to look at your local eviction moratorium. Um, so those are um, those are in place, and they're still in place through September 30th. Um, now the foreclosure moratorium are a little bit different. The foreclosure moratorium really applied to um, on a federal level and a state level. There's been no forcing of private lenders to stop foreclosures that's been um it's only been applied to fannie and freddie backed so if you own an office building um or you own an apartment building um and you have a private you know an institutional lender um who holds your mortgage that's always been um throughout this a private negotiation on forbearance with those lenders and those negotiations Mm -hmm. are still going on and there is a there is a, a tremendous amount of um, forbearance negotiation um, that has gone on between owners and lenders and then also landlords and tenants. And, and that hasn't stopped. That's still going on. Wow. Um, let me ask you about a co-work space because prior to this, co-work space was booming. Um, wh- what has the pandemic done to that? Well, I think initially um, that space took a huge hit, like everything else. Um, it was, but now they have these co-work space have put in uh, protocols as well. Um, much like anything else, it's it's the number of people in the facility. Um, uh, clearly, you have to make appointments, and they've had to to change how they do things. Um, common area um, amenities are eliminated or substantially diminished as an example you know the old 
grab a cup of coffee and the water cooler, a lot of those have been eliminated um, for safety reasons. And then um, just a lot of practicalities on spacing, um, barriers, uh, sanitation, those are, those are all in place. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I keep going back to what we discussed earlier about how this is changing everything because prior to COVID, you know, most companies were, were very hesitant to allow people to work from home. Um, now with the forced digital transition we're experiencing, uh, they can see, they see that it can work. In most cases, it's working. Um, so going back to, do I need to lease all of this space? Can I cut it in half? Can we go on a, you know, half the people are in the office one week, half the people are in the office the other week? Um, it's it's just going to be very interesting. But I, I want to ask all of you, Deanne, Carol, Dave, I want to ask you something because this is what my husband and I are experiencing. We literally are on zoom calls all day long and what's happening Mm -hmm. is by five o'clock end of work day we're still working because of all the stuff we didn't get done being on the zoom calls and phone calls all day we're still working several hours into the evening is that happening with with any of you definitely of course as a real estate broker it's you don't work regular 40-hour week Um, but it's become even more um, shall we say, prevalent that um, uh, evening, the evening work drags on into the evening, um, and for exactly that reason, I actually, because of the ease of technology of doing Zoom meetings, I actually have more meetings now than I used to when they were live. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's uh, it does have a productivity impact in in two ways, positively and negatively. But ultimately, it stretches out the workday for me anyway. Well. Yeah, I read I read a report that uh, they said uh, people on average are working an additional two hours a day, but that also has something to do with the commute. People aren't commuting 40 minutes to their office and 40 minutes or an hour home. The, so instead of doing all that commuting, they're working from home. Uh, so 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 work days have gotten longer. But um, before we run out of time, uh, we wanted to discuss a couple of ballot measures. Um, right. Who wants Who wants to take that? Carol, Carol's going to take that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead off on that. So um, there are three that uh, relate to real property in the state, and I'm going to race through these quickly, and then depending on how much time, we'll discuss we have, in more yeah, detail. We have, we have 15 minutes. Take your time. We have 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So um, in number order. Uh, Proposition 15. Now, Proposition 15 is called um, the commercial tax on commercial and industrial properties for education and local government funding initiatives. What that means is this, this is Prop 13. So when you think of Prop 15, it's really Prop 13. Prop 13 was, um, as many people know, was um, a constitutional amendment that was put in place. Uh, It was the Howard Jarvis um, uh, movement that um, that, uh, stayed the increase in property taxes on California properties. Uh, Rate was established at the time uh, that you purchased the property 
or what it was at the time you owned it when this was enacted, and then it was subject to essentially a 2% increase every year by the assessor's office on property taxes. So what this, what this measure proposes to do is split the role. It's called the split role. And that would mean that, um, that properties such as uh, um, any commercial property, uh, retail centers, um, office buildings, um, any commercial use of a property other than commercial agriculture um, would be subject to uh, immediate reassessment up to market value. Now, uh, wow, the, that's scary. Uh, yeah, for, for the landowners. The, <laughs> the, the proponents of this say that that um, you know uh, the this is going to help education. This is the way it's being you know uh, reviewed. Local government. Oh, that's it's what the, they the title. Say. That's what they, that, Carol. That's what they always say. It's for the children. They say that every time they want to give us a new tax, and and we all know it well, doesn't go to it. It's not getting to the kids. Well, it's, we it's know that. I, I read. I Not just read this arcade, morning. Sure. Yeah, I just read an article this morning that talked about it and said the ballot initiative would create a process where it would redistribute the revenue, um, you know, received from the commercial and industrial properties, and um, and it goes to other areas other than the general fund. And it said first the reg- revenue would be distributed to the the state to for supplement decreases from personal income tax and corporate tax. So it's a supplement to pick up on the loss of income tax and corporate tax. Um, then it would be go to the counties to cover the cost of implementing the measure. Um, then 60% of the remaining funds would be distributed to local governments and special districts. And then 40% would be distributed to school districts. So it's 40% to schools of the remaining after they've reimbursed all these other things. So take a look at the measure. Um, wow. I, my concerns, of course, as um, and full disclosure, I am a commercial property owner, so I obviously have my bias here. Um, but the chambers of commerce are, are, are not in favor of this. What happens is, if you're not aware, uh, many landlords have triple net leases on their property. And what that means is that the tenants pay um, a rental price plus they pay a percentage of common area expenses, which includes insurance, taxes, and maintenance on the property. So what's, what will happen unless it's, the leases are renegotiated is an increase in uh, the tax basis. The property tax rate on a commercial property will get, will get passed through to a tenant. Now, and that could be Many, many, many um, properties are have been owned, are legacy properties, and they've been owned for a very, very long time. Um, and uh, it could be a, a huge increase. And there's a lot of concern at the business, uh, uh, retail, and um, uh, tenant level, and also the office tenant level as to what that would mean um, to to them in terms of increases on top of a tough economic situation and their regular rent. So that's Prop 15 called the split role. Um, and the and other one, I'm curious yes, as to how I'm curious as to how they're going to word that ballot measure because uh, they got tricky with the last gas tax one. Nobody knew what they were voting for. 
for for an additional twelve cent per gallon gas tax, and uh, and I think it was an increase in registration fees, and uh, people vote for it. They had no idea what they were voting for. So I'm sure that this ballot yeah. measure uh, is is gonna they're gonna try and get tricky with it. Um, and again, you know, uh, landlords not gonna end up paying it. The tenants are gonna end up paying it. And by the way, I have money too, Carol. That I'm means biased. customers. I'm biased against, yeah, and I, I'm biased against any tax increase. Uh, you know, so so we're allowed to have our biases. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's gonna go to the tenant, and then from the tenant to the customers. You're absolutely right. So. Uh, they're sticking wow. it to us again. Sorry. Uh, continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Continue. <laughs> well, it, it's called Prop 15, and it does say, it, you know, the, the tax uh, title, the title on it is uh, Commercial Industrial Properties for Education and Local Government. So they don't, wow. there's Thank nowhere you. mentioned in the title that, that we're going to, it's going to be, you know, it doesn't say repeal of, of Prop 13 for commercial properties. You know, that's, that's not what it's about. <laughs> So, that's what it your point, Jackie. Yeah, yeah. That's what you got to got to read between yeah. the lines. Yeah. So the next one is is Proposition 19, um, and this one is this one's a mix a mixed bag um, in terms of what it it does and does not. Um, and Dave, uh, I'll have you type in on this one also. So what happens in California now, also on on your property taxes is you get to quote unquote retirement age. And this is defined in there. And there is anybody, you know, anybody 55 or older, you don't have to be retired, but it's, but it was originally intended for those who were retiring, um, you know, even back on life, they wanted to maybe move out of the family home and, you know, go buy a small condo on a, on a golf resort. And what happened was they would, had this very, very low tax base because they bought the property when the kitties were little and um, subject to this 2%, it only increased incrementally over the years. And then they'd, they'd go and sell and go buy the golf course and their tax, their property tax bill would, would boost up, right? So what mm-hmm. was put in place was Prop 60, which said, okay, if you're over 55 or you're disabled or a veteran, um, you can one time in your life, and if you're a married couple, one you, you get a one shot at this. You can you can go buy another property for less value than your current you sell to your current home, so a lower valued property, and you can take your very low property tax base with you. It became portable. It was portable, but it was portable on a county by county basis. Like if I wanted to um, take my this to Orange County, I could do it. But if I wanted to go to another county that didn't have reciprocity, I couldn't do it. So it was a county-by-county measure. So what this moves fast forward. So what this ballot measure does is it allows a person, 55 or older, or, again, you know, veterans and disabled, to take your lower property tax basis with you to another property that could be more more valuable, but you only get the benefit um, of, of the, um, you, you have to pay the difference. So if I, my property is worth 500000 and I go buy a million-dollar property and I'm paying taxes on a $500,000 home, I don't get to take that to my million. I get to port over my 
thousand worth, but then the other five hundred thousand would be taxed at fair market value. So you get kind of a blended tax schedule if you buy a more expensive home. The other thing was it was a one-time shot. You really had to make your move and make it count, right? And now you get mm-hmm. up to three times to do it. And then two, it's the 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 measure says it's statewide, so you don't have to have this pick and choose. Well, can I go to that county? I don't know, maybe not. So this is statewide. You can move this anywhere in the state. Oh, that so, sounds great. Uh, it, it, <laughs> that sounds it, like a good deal. It, there's a lot of, <laughs> Is it misleading? There's a lot of, there's a lot of positives um, on this, um, but uh, um, the, the problem with this one is what they are also uh, included is if you inherit a property, it used to be when you inherited mom and dad's property, you could do a parent and child exclusion Right. And you could mm-hmm. you could turn that into a rental property and you still had this really low property tax base. This also says, you know, the, the proposition give us and take of this, right? So this proposition mm-hmm. says if you want to transfer that low tax basis, you can only do it if you're gonna live in that property. So okay. there's there's no more port portability um for for this if you don't you're not a resident in the property that you inherit. And that's mm-hmm. that's going to be a big one. Dave, did you have any more on that one? Yeah, the, the thought there. One of the reasons it sounds like it might be a giveaway to old older property owners, but in fact, with when you had to decide, as you know, we've got this incredibly low property tax basis on your giant home that you don't need anymore, and you really should buy that condo on the golf course, but you don't because you couldn't pass your property tax. It's just your costs skyrocket, even though you stepped down on on value, so people didn't sell. So we have uh, empty nesters in these giant family homes that really should be sold to people who can use the space, but they never sell because they can't get over this financial damage component. This will, the the original ability to sell once at 55 and once expanded into three times will give us a great opportunity to free up inventory in high demand areas and allow seniors to move to much less intensive uses um, like condos you can lock and leave, that sort of thing. So, it's going to free up inventory quite a bit and improve substantially improve liquidity in the in our marketplace. That's the good news. The bad news it is going to reduce the ability to keep low property taxes on on properties that are ultimately rented. So is it trade off worth it? Probably. Mm. Yeah, awesome. All right. Yeah, so we have one more. One more ballot okay, one measure more. to talk about. Rent control. More rent control. So. California Proposition 21, Local Rent Control Initiative. Um, This one gets a little more complex, but the bottom line is that it intensifies. Rent control was just passed statewide in January of this year. This one puts another layer on it. Um, There are some properties that are currently exempt from rent control increases, but this would say that the only properties that are exempt from rent control in the state of California are those that have been occupied within the last 15 years. So none of the older properties that still fell within the exemptions for rent control, that would be gone. It's only newer properties that are exempt from rent control. And that is to foster uh, new construction. Um, So new construction, you have you avoid rent control on your newer properties for, for 15 years. Now the other the other thing there is that it it puts a um, 
let me just read this. It, the ballot measure would allow local governments to adopt rent control on housing units, except on housing that was occupied within the last 15 years, or units, units owned by natural persons who own no more than two housing units with separate titles, such as single-family condos, some duplexes, subdivided interests, um, et cetera. So what the rent control in January said is if you have a condo and it's owned individually, not by a corporation uh, with multiple parties, and you uh, or you own a single-family home, those are exempt from the rent control that went in in January. What this says is not so fast. If you own more than two housing units, regardless of whether it's a condo or a house, it's now subject to local rent control. So that is a further layer on rent control and um, a restriction on those properties that are currently exempt. So, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not in favor of this one at all. I think uh, statewide rent control was a huge shift um, from what we've had ever before because rent control has always been uh, regulated at a local level. We now have statewide rent control, and this is a, a further restriction. And I honestly think it, it's tough. It, um, unfortunately, my personal opinion is it restricts development of more housing and oh my gosh we need housing we need housing and and so we need more development of housing and not more restrictive measures that's my two cents so that's proposition 21 well that was more than two cents that was that was a couple of dollars carol that was that was a couple (laughs) of dollars um no thank you for bringing us up to speed on that and when these ballot measures come up I really hope uh, you and uh, Dave will come back on and tell us which way to vote for them once they're worded, because they can be very, very confusing. So, so please keep that in mind. Uh, tell us, tell us where to go when it's time. Um, all right. So, can uh, can Dave uh, give us your contact information, website, uh, email, whatever sure. you want to give out, so anybody that needs some real estate advice, they know where to go. Okay. Cell is three one zero. Eight seven one five three one four, and cell so, uh, uh, email address is my name, which is Dave at Dave Salzman S A L Z M A N dot com, and uh, so we enjoy being on the show. We certainly look forward to doing it again. Um, I know we got about two minutes left. I had about a couple of sentences on what the back half of two thousand twenty might look like for real estate. Okay. And the, bo- mm-hmm. the bottom line is that uh, most of the powers that be were predicting a very slow third quarter. Now, based, most of the powers that be are predicting that we'll not only recover, because certainly we have in the second quarter here, but it's going to continue to roll forward in the third and fourth quarters. So that's uh, the, the uh, prognosis for the back half of this year is very positive. Well, that's good to hear. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Our guests today have been Dave Salzman and Carol Glover, South Bay Real Estate Investment Advisors. Is there a website, Dave? Well, and also we need Carol's contact information. Yeah, we need Carol's information as well. Oh, Carol. The website is Uh, DaveSalzman.com. Yeah, Dave is DaveSalzman.com. 
And um, I, I wear two hats, so um, I'm actually of counsel with Deanne and her firm, Chase Law Group. You can always find me at Chase Law Group on Deanne's uh, website. Um, and, uh, and then I'm also a, a broker, um, and you can find me on daysalsman.com as well. And my cell phone, if anybody wants it, happy to take a call, is 310-999-9194. A lot of nines. Yeah. A lot of nines. <laughs> a lot of nines. All right. All right. Thank Dave you, guys. Salzman and Carol Glover, thank you so much for bringing us up to speed on all things real estate this morning. And Deanne, thank you so much. And thank you so much for uh, stepping up and, and doing that, this for the summer. Um, um, I'm, I'm really glad that, that, you're, that you're with me and you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jackie. Right. It's been Thanks fun. Thanks much. All right. Thank you. All right, Thank everybody. You That's our show. That's our show. Thank Bye-bye. you for joining us, and be sure to tune in tomorrow morning for Manhattan Beach Chamber 360. Bye-bye now. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.